If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 10. Uh, we will pick up on the tail end of chapter 9 and verse 35 and then finish in the first verse of chapter 11. Um, so um, Matthew 10 is where we'll be this morning. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death and father his child and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. 
but the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in, in the dark, say in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So, everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he's a prophet will receive a prophet's reward, and the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly, I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, thank you for coming in the person of Christ and speaking into this fallen world. Uh, thank you for your heart, uh, and thank you for calling um, these disciples to yourself and preparing them, uh, pouring into them, instructing them, uh, and helping them um, to be on mission with you. Father, we pray that you would open our hearts this morning and help us by your Holy Spirit. Help us to have ears to hear what your Spirit would sp speak to us through your word. Uh, I pray that for strength to proclaim your message clearly, um, and I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, we've been in Matthew's gospel for several weeks now, and last week we saw the power of the king, the power of the king in chapters 8 and 9. Jesus has divine authority, authority to heal, uh, 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 authority to cleanse, uh, authority to restore, and also authority to forgive sins. Um, But here we are now, and we see something very striking. Uh, The crowds have been with Jesus um, uh, since, uh, I guess, chapter 4. We saw he was with the crowds, and then he spoke to the crowds, and his disciples came to him. We heard the message uh, of his kingdom in the Sermon on the Mount. And now uh, we see the power of the king. His words and his deeds uh, are two sides of the same coin. They just all point to his authority, that Jesus is the Messiah, the King, the long-expected King. But here he is now, and he's with his disciples, um, and he is speaking to them, and he gives them authority. Look with me at at the end of chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. Uh, We see here the motive uh, for the mission that Jesus has. Jesus has, Jesus is on mission. He has been sent by the Heavenly Father. In John's Gospel, that's, that theme is very apparent. But here he is, and he expresses and he shares his heart. He, he reveals to us why and what's behind his mission. So first we see compassion. Uh, it says here in verse 36, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Uh, The word compassion means to suffer with. And so Jesus saw them and he had compassion on these crowds. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless. And he says they were like sheep without a shepherd. In the Old Testament, uh, the books of Jeremiah, uh, especially Ezekiel chapter 34, God comes down hard against the uh, religious leaders. He says, basically, you are false shepherds. You are fat shepherds. Uh, You are just hired hands. And so when Jesus picks up on the same imagery, the same metaphor, uh, he says, essentially, I am the good shepherd. And in Micah 5, 4, uh, it promises that God's Messiah will shepherd his people. And so here's Jesus with compassion over harassed and helpless people who have been without a shepherd. They're vulnerable to wolves. They're vulnerable. And basically, they haven't had any true teaching. And so Jesus is giving an uh, indirect, uh, maybe even slightly direct rebuke to the Pharisees and religious leaders and scribes of the day. And so Jesus, uh, his response to this is his commitment so what's the motive behind his mission? Well, it's his heart. It's, it's compassion, the compassion of God. Um, last week we saw um, that Jesus told the religious leaders, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And so Jesus is merciful. Um, and I said this last week, he shows mercy through sacrifice. And so now we see that he's also committed. We see the commitment of the king. He's committed to extending God's rule and his saving rule to the world. And how does God save? 
Well, he saves by sending his son, Jesus Christ, on mission. But Jesus uh, does something very surprising and striking. He includes disciples, fallen humans, fishermen, a tax collector, um, a, a guy with a sword, a zealot, um, this strange crew of 12, even one he knew would betray him, uh, to, fulfill, <laughs> to fulfill scripture and, and so much more. Jesus knows exactly what he's doing on mission. Uh, but but how, does he, uh, how does he carry out his mission? It's through prayer and through people. And so he tells the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. And so this, uh, this situation, this urgency that Jesus uh, was talking to the disciples about is just as urgent for us today. Um, there is a great harvest. There are people in our apartment complexes, in our neighborhoods, who if, if they just heard the message of the kingdom with clarity and courage, they would respond to the gospel. Now, I don't know who those people are. Um, Dilal and I are praying for our co colleagues. We've had conversations with a few. Um, but Jesus is telling us that the harvest is plentiful and the, the harvest is all around us. And so the, the response is pray um, to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. And so prayer and people, God works through prayer and God works through people, people who do the work, uh, willing human vessels that sow and reap, but God brings the growth. And so uh, I encourage you to look for opportunities around you. Um, pray for workers. Uh, we're here in the pandemic and our, you know, our church and every church around the world needs workers. The harvest is plentiful. <clears throat> um, now these workers are trained. Um, in a, a couple weeks when we get to chapter 13, Lord willing, um, Jesus talks about the scribe who is trained for the kingdom of heaven. Uh, they were trained and prepared. And today we see that Jesus trains and prepares his disciples. So there's vast kingdom advancement that is on the horizon. Jesus is on mission. And this mission requires tremendous sacrifice. And Jesus will include his disciples in this. And so um, a question for us is, are you praying? Um, please pray. And are you willing to be the answer to your own prayer? But we see here uh, in, in the structure of this, this chapter, um, just three, three major, major sections. The first one is a, a unique mission of the disciples among uh, Israel, among Israel, the lost sheep of Israel. Um, the second part from 16 to uh, about 23 we see the mission to the Gentiles or to the, to, the, to the world, worldwide mission. And then the end of this chapter, chapter 10, we see uh, the characteristics of the kingdom, embodying the character of the king. And so first, uh, Jesus calls the 12. We see that in one, uh, chapter 10, 1 to 4. And then 5 he instructs them, and it seems a little bit strange from what we know as Christians today. Uh, he tells them in verse 5, 
go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no, uh, enter no town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And he says, uh, you know, essentially it's don't go to the Gentiles. And we're thinking, well, well, doesn't Jesus want to spread his message with among everyone? And the answer to that is yes. The end of Matthew's gospel tells us, and we, we have the great commission, all authority in heaven and earth, it belongs to me. Um, go therefore, and as you go, make disciples of all nations. But the thing is, Jesus and God's salvation plan has stages. And the first stage is to the Jews. And the Apostle Paul, as you uh, recall in, in Romans 1.16, he says, uh, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus, for it is the power of God for those who believe first for the Jew and also for the Gentile. And so Jesus is telling them to go on an uh, initial mission. This is a short, unique mission. And it's not for you. It's for them. <laughs> it's not for me. Um, sometimes we get really confused on these things. We read the Bible and we think, wow, this is prescriptive. This is telling me, you know, I read the story of David and Goliath and I think, I'm David. Well, I'm not David. David's David. Um, but there are principles that are timeless, <clears throat> excuse me, that do apply to us. And so we have to be really careful in how we read our Bibles. And this is specifically for the disciples, the apostles, those who were sent by Jesus. And he tells them, verse 7, to, to preach the same message, to proclaim the same message. Uh, and so they have um, something that's shocking, a delegated authority. Jesus had authority to heal, and he did. And we saw that last week. And now he tells them, say the same message. John said it, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I've said it, the kingdom of heaven. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And now the disciples say the same message as you go. Proclaim this. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is here. And then four miracles to accompany that in, in verse uh, 8. Heal, raise, cleanse, and cast out. Uh, amazing. They have the authority of Jesus. And so Jesus has multiplied himself in these first apostles. He tells them of the sphere of their ministry, go first to the lost sheep. The gospel first needs to go to those who've wandered under the care of false shepherds and, the, and were vulnerable to the devil. And so they go. And Jesus tells them of uh, their ministry motive. Um, it says here at the end of verse 8, You received without pay, give without pay. So freely you've received, freely give. And then he tells them how to go about their journey. Uh, don't take with you gold or silver or copper or belts or bags and all of these things. For the laborer deserves his food. He says that God will provide for them through their mission journey. One principle for us is that there are people today um, that God calls to go. There are goers, if you will. And there are also people that God calls to give um, and support the ministry. And so the disciples here on this first mission um, would go to the villages and stay in a house. And uh, if, if, the, if they were received by hospitality, then um, that house would receive and keep their peace. 
And so there's this going and this giving, and it works together, and they were all dependent upon the grace of God. And so um, one thing that stands out to me is hospitality is not optional. It's serious business. Uh, Later in Matthew's gospel, we see there were a bunch of people, and it was like, they were like, when did you, (laughs) when did we see you? Um, When did, when did we care for you and clothe you and, and feed you and take you in? And Jesus said, whatever you've done for the least of these brothers of mine, you've done unto me. And so hospitality is serious uh, business on, mess- on mission. And, so, and, and then they are confident in God's sovereignty. So the first part, uh, 1 to 15, Jesus' unique mission for the apostles um, now, another part of the Gospels, he would tell them, you know, take some provision for you. So they didn't always li- live exactly this way. But for this first part, first stage of the mission, he called them to live this way, not taking with you, not qu- acquiring a lot. I think the end of Luke's Gospel, it shows that they did have some things uh, as they went. Jesus prepares them for persecution. Um, verses 16 to 23. He tells them, behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So uh, there's a coat of arms, like a family crest. I don't know much about it. I had to Google it to see kind of the history behind these things. Maybe in your country it's more prominent. Um, But on these shields, like knights would have shields, they would have an animal, uh, a lion or an eagle, Uh, some fierce beast, maybe a bear. Uh, But Jesus tells us the coat of arms for the Christian is a sheep. And so imagine this this shield, it has a sheep on it. And around the sheep are a bunch of wolves. And then he extends the the metaphor a little bit more. And maybe there's a little snake in the corner. And then at the very bottom, there's a dove. And what uh, what he tells his disciples in preparing for persecution is this. I want you to be both wise and innocent. Um, I want you to be both uh, godly, but not gullible. And so there's this real balance uh, between um, in in Christian character that Jesus is starting to show them and he embodies himself and wants his own disciples to embody. He tells them to beware of men, beware of men. Throughout this whole passage, uh, Jesus talks a lot about the fear of man and how do we overcome the fear of man? And that is to have a greater fear in our lives. Jesus tells his disciples, the one who endures to the end will be saved. And later, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And so Jesus helps his disciples prepare for persecution. And persecution, um, a, Christian, a Christian can easily avoid persecution by denying that he or she is Jesus' disciple. But the true disciple does not fear death and will publicly acknowledge and confess Jesus. The eternal consequences for those who deny Christ, in fact, will be far worse than the persecution that they sought to avoid. Now, this is uh, 
for for me, I've I've never fe felt a life-threatening um, confrontation about my profession of faith in Christ. But there is, you know, there's a fear of man that I think we probably all wrestle with at times, and some of us are more prone to. We want to be accepted by our peers, uh, but but really the solution. Um, to overcoming the fear of man is to having a proper fear of God. Judgment is coming. We will all stand before him. And when we acknowledge Jesus with clarity, with courage before humans, um, we need not fear humans. We need not fear demons. Uh, when we acknowledge Jesus before others, he acknowledges us before the Father who is in heaven. And so Jesus has us thinking about reward. And that's how we can carry through persecution. Um, and so uh, the last part here is that <clears throat> Christians and disciples, rather, uh, in this passage, but for us, is that we are to embody the character of Christ. And he speaks about how he was treated. And it's really amazing that he's the king of kings, and they came up to him, creatures, came up to the Creator in the flesh, and they said, you are of the house of Beelzebul. That means you're the household of Satan. And Jesus, I'm, a, I'm amazed at how he interacts with people. Uh, later in this gospel, they would say in, in Matthew 22, um, they, they said, teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully, and you do not care about anyone's opinion for you are not swayed by appearances. Jesus has no fear of man, and he wants that to be in our lives as well. And he said, they treated me and they called me Satan. How much more, what will they call you? You're of my house. They, they maligned my name. They'll do the same to you. And so there's a great opposition in following Jesus. And in fact, the apostle Paul says, everyone who desires to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will uh, endure and, and, and be persecuted. So have no fear of them, he says. Uh, Jesus says there's no secrets in his kingdom. Everything will be revealed in the end. Everything is clear before the Father. And uh, he, he uh, talks about the cost that uh, endures in embracing Jesus. Um, he says that do not think I've come to bring peace, but a sword. Um, that's quite striking because we think, well, Jesus is gentle, mild, um, lowly in heart. He wouldn't hurt uh, a bruised reed. We'll see that in chapter 12. But what he's talking about here is that the gospel and allegiance to Christ brings division between those who are believing and those who are unbelieving. And so he says that our allegiance to him is to be higher than that of our households. Um, <clears throat> For I've come to set a, a man against his father, a daughter against her, her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. This sword metaphor is one of separation between believers and unbelievers. And Jesus requires unqualified allegiance something even the most uh, esteemed rabbis did not demand, um, I read. 
So the, the central point in this passage here is that the love of God and his kingdom must take precedence over every other human relationship. The love of God and his kingdom must take precedence over every other human relationship. It might cost everything. And he, in fact, tells his disciples, um, it might cost you your life. It might cost you your family to follow me. <clears throat> and so he leaves us with the image of the cross. Um, I think this is the first time Jesus in Matthew's gospel mentions the word cross. It's verse 38. Whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And so we need to uh, deny ourself, um, deny our self-will, embrace God's will, uh, take up our cross, embrace God's will no matter what the cost, and follow Christ. Now, it doesn't leave on a sad note here. Jesus is very much talking with them real and serious about persecution, but he ends with reward reward, reward. He talks about the reward of a prophet, the reward of a righteous person, and he talks about the reward of those who receive God's messengers. And so Jesus so radically identifies with his disciples that he says, if they receive you, they receive me, and if they receive me, they receive the one who sent me. And the same is true in our lives. If we receive a Christian brother or sister into our homes, uh, and show hospitality. I think hospitality here, the expat life in Kuwait is huge. Um, I know when I first came to CIC, I was shocked by the family atmosphere and, and not just the atmosphere, but actually um, people knowing me by name and giving me rides and taking me into their homes and feeding me and feeding me and feeding me. Um, those were the days before I, w I was married to Dalal, so I didn't do much cooking, but the church was my family uh, here, and the church really is our family. Uh, Jesus will talk about that um, <clears throat> more uh, in chapter 12, the end, our true family. And so even if following Christ costs us everything, um, the reward is eternal. The reward is amazing. It, you might lose your relationship with your father or your mother, but you have fathers or mothers, brothers, sisters in Christ um, that are true and eternal, and God's reward is, is, is worth it. So the kingdom is here. Um, may we all be aware of this, reminded of this, Jesus has brought the kingdom. He embodies the kingdom. And uh, let us be a family that bows before our king. Let us have his character. Let us hear his words and his warnings to, to live the way he did. Let us be wise as serpents. Let us be innocent and harmless as well. So what happened to the disciples? What happened to the apostles? Well, <laughs> Jesus... Um, prepared them for persecution. They went all over the world. Um, I, I saw a, a map of where the apostles went. Uh, it showed Th Thomas going as far as, as uh, India and being speared to death. Um, Peter, he was crucified. Um, but he said, according, uh, now we don't have this in the scriptures, 
uh, but, but we do have it in church history, in oral tradition. Um, and, and it goes that Peter was crucified, and he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified in the manner of my Lord. Flip me upside down. And so he was crucified on a cross upside down. The apostle Paul was beheaded. Um, Andrew, crucified. Philip, martyred in North Africa. Uh, Matthew, um, the tax collector, turned disciple, apostle. Um, he was stabbed in Ethiopia. Bartholomew, martyred. Uh, James, the son of Alphaeus, stoned or clubbed. Simon, the zealot, killed. Matthias, who replaced Judas, was burned. John, the apostle John, uh, he's the only one known to have died of old age. But he was, according to tradition, boiled in oil. Uh, and then God preserved him, popped out of the oil, and then he was later exiled for the faith. So, why... Why would we embrace such a mission? Jesus tells us of persecution and suffering, and uh, he, he mixes this and mingles it with the coming of his kingdom. And the harvest is plentiful, the, the workers are few, but harvest comes through sacrifice. Harvest comes through suffering, and Jesus is going to the cross, and that's the way in which we must go as well. Um, and so I was just looking at the top 50, like the, the most difficult places to live uh, out the gospel in the world. Uh, there's a lot of persecution in the world. And um, I want to leave you with, with uh, a couple Proverbs. It's in Proverbs 29, uh, 25. A prayer for boldness. says here, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe, eternally safe. And then lastly, uh, one of my favorite Proverbs, Proverbs 28, 1. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Let us pray. Um, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus on mission to save sinners, to tell us of the kingdom, to bring the kingdom, and to tell us the way to enter the kingdom. Uh, we, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds, that we would embrace uh, your message. We'd repent, um, that we would turn from our self-will, um, deny ourself, take up your cross, and follow you daily. I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray that you would give them courage. I pray that we would all corporately be praying to you, Lord of the harvest. Just raise up workers. And, and our, we pray for our brothers and sisters scattered around the world who are enduring fierce persecution uh, for the sake of your name. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would strengthen our brothers and sisters. Help them to endure to the end and be saved. Help us to endure. Help us to participate with you in your mission through prayer and work. Maybe you're calling some of us to go even, even more. A lot of us are probably here in Kuwait because you have sent us. Um, we are goers. Um, 
but others of us maybe are givers and we need to be supporting those that you're sending. And so help us to give generously. You've, you've given to us generously. Um, help us to have your character. Help us to realize um, that, th that you promise reward. Help us to stand firm when we're tested and to always be, uh, um, give allegiance to your name above every human relationship. Help us not to fear man, but to fear you, God. Um, and we thank you that you are with us. Uh, you also tell the disciples here that you're mindful of every hair on their heads and you're mindful of the sparrow that falls. You are sovereign over all and you will provide for our every need as we trust in you. And so help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.